Ladies and gentlemen, good morning from Soho Radio on the Art Hour uh, with Vasiliki and our guest artist today is Emmy as a Greek painter, uh, perhaps English by now, but we can discuss this uh, in a while. Emmy, welcome at uh, Soho Radio. It's a shame that John cannot join us today. He was feeling a little bit ill. Apologies for that. Um, So, Emmy, you're part of the uh, Greek diaspora, <laughs> if we could say it in this way. Yeah, um, um, I've been I've been in London for more than I think more than 20 years now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, half half, <laughs> Greek, half English, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, you you were born on Corfu, though, an yeah, island of Greece, Corfu. a very creative island. Uh, has a reputation, yeah. Yes, with many Venetian, English and more influences in the history sure, of the yeah. island. Um, 
And also your father uh, is a painter. Yeah, that's and right. And you find yourself from a very, very young age, not even reaching the age of 18, as far as I can recall, uh, being at Oxford, um, rusking yep. to... So, so what happened there? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was very young when I uh, went to university. Mm -hmm. I was not even 18. Um, it just so happened that I finished school and I applied to the Ruskin and I got in I mean it was I was very lucky mm -hmm. but I hadn't realized how that, that change would be very quick and sudden uh, when I just moved from a small island to the university in Oxford um, yeah how was it as, a, as an experience and well, it was hard at first because of the language but also just everything was different Um, so it took me a while to adjust, but I did find the Ruskin um, very welcoming and the people there became my best friends. So um, it was a great experience in the end. And also the Ruskin school is a very small art school, which mm -hmm. helped um, because we got quite a lot of attention, individual attention. And within a bigger university, um, it was just a fantastic experience in the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what are your influences from your family? So your father is a painter as well. Yes, yeah, so my father's a painter mm -hmm. um, and I grew up around his studio, around when he was painting. So it was kind of a natural thing to me to be around art books and uh, materials and I was very interested. I was always interested and kind of curious about what he was doing. So I was following him around to all the exhibitions, etc., wherever he was going. Um, so for me to study art seemed like a kind of natural development. It didn't seem, it, I didn't, um, in a way, what was good about it is I didn't have to fight with my parents mm -hmm. to what, which kind of often happens uh, to study art. And they kind of supported it. Yeah. Your medium is m mainly painting and drawing, correct? Yes, yeah, so I consider myself mainly a painter and a drawer. Mm -hmm. Although I do sort of do other things here and there, but mainly uh, painting, I would say, yeah. And what inspires your themes? A lot of different things, I would say. Um, the medium itself, mm -hmm. uh, but also subject matter, um, it's often related to history, uh, to architecture, and also to um, kind of observation, like everyday observations. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been for quite a long time um, dealing with interior spaces, um, wanting to create some kind of um, experience for the viewer, like a, a, a sort of imaginary interior. Um, but I've moved on to other themes as well. and So to construct an environment within an environment. Yeah, exactly. And kind of almost direct the light and direct the, the, the paint in a way that it creates a sort of experience for the viewer. Um, so the theme is an interior, but it, it, it is not a naturalistic or a representational theme. It's more of an imaginary Uh, mm -hmm. kind of situation um, but recently I have been working with other themes as well and um, other bits of architecture that have inspired me 
Fantastic. Thank you very much, Amy Evora. And we will be back in a while after listening to Coop and Coop Island Blues. Hopefully. <laughs> We can continue chatting <laughs> right. as long as my computer doesn't want to collaborate <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of restarts, goes on and off. Uh -huh. uh, so why did you choose uh, Tahabon to the first track we've listened to? Sorry, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did I choose that? Yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorite tunes. Uh -huh. um, it's, uh, it was in the, um, I first heard it in the, as a soundtrack uh, piece at uh, All By My Mother, this uh, film by Almodovar. Mm -hmm. You might have um, seen it. And um, it's just a very melancholy tune, actually. But um, it somehow... It's a mellow Sunday morning. Yes. I find it totally I just, suitable. I just found it quite suitable for a Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fantastic. Let's see if computer it starts kind of working. Yes, fantastic. Coop and Coop Island Blues.
Amy Avora, your past works, uh, especially the paintings you had, um, they seem to have a, a large influence from Baroque. Mm-hmm. And then we we see a, a totally new body of work separated from this period of time. Mm-hmm. I think you work for a commission from Fabergé as well. It has all this kind of Baroque. Yes, yeah. So p- p- perhaps you can tell us a little bit about this kind of Baroque era and how you kind of, what, what contrib- contributed to have this transition from Baroque to kind of more, uh, a, a closer approach to architecture and uh, neoclassicism. Well, I'll, Yes, my the paintings, um, the large scale paintings were very influenced by um, a sense of Baroque and maximalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite over the top interiors. And um, what I was very interested in at the time was this idea of the of something being on the verge of being too much. So almost crossing the boundaries, almost becoming kind of. A disgusting in a way or uh, you know on the verge of being uh, uh, de- of, of uh, uh, decaying mm-hmm. um, so I was very interested about that in, and um, that was in relation to consumerism or um, you know the way we live our lives uh, sort of but that was before the financial crisis in a way um, I think which which one of all uh, well <laughs> both the Greek one and, you know, the, so the global. British, okay, around 2007, yeah, so, 2008. So up to 2009, I would say, it was making these very over-the-top interiors and I was very interested in this kind of sense of decay and something almost falling apart, so being to- so heavy that it could fall apart. And then so, you saw the system falling apart, actually. So then, <laughs> then actually what happened is that the system did kind of fall apart and then I felt like... I had to look elsewhere um, because it did happen. It kind of fell apart and I had to move forward from that. I'm always interested in a sense of escapism in the work. So um, so the, the actual painting is a visual rambling, a visual journey that leads onto an exit point. So the viewer can go through this journey and kind of come out of it mm-hmm. so that has stayed on it's, it's still a kind there. of healing process in yeah a way. it's almost like an exit point mm-hmm. um that has stayed there but um the subject matter has changed a little bit um so after 2009 2010 the work started changing a little bit um also what happened was that there there was a crisis in in greece and inevitably that affected what I was looking at. I started looking at Greek history a little bit more, just wanting to understand a little bit what's going on, what happened, mm-hmm. um, and that affected my work as well. I think it it was a time I first visited your studio around then, and I, I started seeing your past work, yeah, and then the the work that you were producing at the time, and I, you know, from really kind of bright or multiple colors, we I, I saw a, a full. A whole body of work which was black and white, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. kind of negatives, and, and I said, "What happened here?" Yeah. I mean, so I and I said, "You know, yeah, I, that was what I asked you back then. Yeah. What happened here?" <laughs> yeah, possibly. I think I'm not sure whether it was a direct kind of uh, result of that um, of what happened, but um, at that time, also 
stopped using the colors I was using and I kind of went black and white for a period of time. Um, I'm not totally black and white anymore, but um, uh, at the time I, I started making also this print. Um, so that kind of uh, led on to the black which and white were, work. Which were negatives, which yeah, you, so, you, uh, you, you um, uh, intervened into. So negatives of architectural... Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So there were uh, transfers. Uh, there, were, there were black and white images that I had transferred onto acetate. Where, where did you find them? So where did you find oh, these? I've got, a, I've got a whole uh, kind of archive or loads of uh, imagery. Ima Im uh, some of the imagery, I, I, they're from photographs I take, but a lot of those were found imagery um, that um, were from archives or um, buildings that I was interested in. I was reading history about them. And at the time, also, I think I was doing, um, I was asked to do um, a show at the National Theatre of Greece. Mm -hmm. And that led me onto the, onto researching about the history of neoclassical architecture. And there. you went to Ernst Chile, yes, who had a huge yes. influence all around Greece. Uh, a German, actually. It's yeah, quite interesting the, the that it was a German architect who exactly uh, he decided to become Greek, uh, having <laughs> yes. spent so much time in Greek. Well, uh, that's and, and had a huge influence in the architecture of Athens, but not only. I mean, uh, in Peloponnese, all over exactly. Greece, on the islands, he uh, introduced uh, strongly <laughs> neoclassicism. I think in yeah. in the broader area. Yeah, I was very interested in this idea that... So, and the National Theatre was one of the yes, buildings, Yes, the National Theatre yeah. itself, where I would exhibit, was one of his um, buildings. He mm. uh, well, And um, I was very interested to find out that um, he was one of the main people that contributed to uh, the neoclassical uh, architecture in Athens after uh, Greece became... A country again, you know, a after nation the Ottoman, state, yeah, a yeah. nation state after the Ottoman Empire, and the fact that he was German was quite interesting at the time because we had all these problems with what well, was still we had a German still, king, yeah, <laughs> there was a there was a German king at the time, but also, a con in a contemporary term, there were all these problems with the euro and Greece was kind of depending on the German, um, <laughs> you know. And your husband is German, being, by the me way. Me being very married to a German, <laughs> it just kind of became very interesting to me what's happened and how a neoclassicism um, root is, is rooted to um, ancient Greek models, but it has been filtered through the European. Uh, I could say more the German yeah. I at, at some point, exactly. like the Valhalla and then it kind in of Germany, and how how they used um, the, the classic form exactly. uh, to gain power and um, and respect uh, for the physical constructions, but also yeah. uh, gain authority. Yeah, this, this is linked this to kind something. Of author yes, authoritarian, and and yes. that then came back to Greece, and it was almost like a mirror of what uh, Greece should be about. It should be about this ancient sort of temples and etc. etc. So it was very interesting to research this and find out more about it. Um, and that's when I kind of gathered these images and I decided that 
I would almost erase them. I wanted to kind of see what I could do to um, not exactly destroy them, but manipulate them. So mm -hmm. I used solvents on the negatives mm -hmm. to um, to change them, and to, um, I created these negative drawings. This corrosion. Yeah, uh, perhaps decaying, co corrosion, uh, corruption, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> that <laughs> possibly yes. So that's when the big prints kind of came about, mm -hmm. um, which were the black and white yeah, mainly yeah, work and that we have, a yeah. and the majority of of that was exhibited at National Theatre. So there was an uh, yes, there were uh, three very big prints at the National Theatre, and it was a site-specific installation, so mm. I kind of worked with the space to install them directly onto the, um, the walls there. Mm -hmm. So it was, a, it was quite interesting for me because it was a very new um, way of working. Mm -hmm. And um, I did have some drawings there as well, and I had some paintings, but the prints uh, were just a new uh, way of and they were major prints. I mean, what were the, the dimensions? I can yeah, well, it was they like were a two uh, two meters by four meters, etc. Yes, so large scale yeah, works. So uh, for the first time in this show, we're gonna go f to a Greek song <laughs> from Danai Aserhosun Yaligo, which which means uh, if you were coming for a while. Yeah, I wish you you came for a while. Που 
<laughs> that was the night and it was it's a very very old greek song a uh, very yes. mellow <laughs> dramatic is it fits tango a, yeah it's a it's greek a kind of greek culture mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're a little bit mellow and dramatic i think more than <laughs> the average <laughs> european um so what do, do you recall when this uh song was uh i mean 1940 i think i think it was n- around 94 Uh, late 40s probably yeah mm-hmm. it came out mm-hmm. so just after the war yeah and why did you choose that what oh, was w- it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say i mean uh, i just love the tune and but also the um, the lyrics obviously that most people can't understand what they're about but yeah. they're about this sort of transient kind of love affair that it's um um She she aspires for yeah. just it a, a moment to come to yeah, come for, just for a, a moment to make a move <laughs> <laughs> but just for a moment it could yes. take she doesn't mind if it just doesn't last so yes i think that's quite nice and also for that time mm-hmm. it's quite interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> so with with this song i'm going to travel uh, to another work of yours which was a uh, hellenic cruise Yeah, so that was a body of work after the big prints at the National Theatre that we were talking about. Um, I did continue looking at um, Greek history. I was reading um, the history, uh, a very interesting book about the history of Greece through um, architecture. Mm-hmm. So it was very informative. It, it it sort of informs about what was happening at the time but through looking at buildings and um i started looking at the buildings or buildings also um constructed environments so the, the public spaces as well how they were constructed yes yeah it also talked about that mm-hmm. um but it was very interesting to look at for the early architecture Um, of the Greek state as such and how I moved from neoclassicism to modernism mm-hmm. and um, how obviously I don't know if are we uh, talking about this kind of monstrous buildings of well, the 60s if somebody if somebody travels to Athens I mean the most overwhelming mm-hmm. kind of side is these blocks of buildings which um, I discovered it's they're not only in Athens i mean there a lot a lot of them are in other cities as well especially mm-hmm. my mediterranean cities mm-hmm. um 
But yeah, I kind of became interested in that. I as mean, well. we have to make a small parenthesis there to say that there was an architecture plan for Athens that yes. never been implemented. Yeah, and there were a lot of and again because plans. of corruption yeah. and uh, the big right. developers um, bribing basically the the power at the moment. Um, um, they did all these kind of constructions, build buildings and deregulated what it was regulated. Yeah, so w- what happened, there was always a plan that got de- derailed by the new government and then the n- somebody else came in power and they kind of blocked the previous plan. So although there were some people that had very good intentions, um, it, it didn't always go um, to plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have these big, kind of blocks of uh, concrete blocks that um, although they seem very monstrous and very ugly to somebody who's lived there they're almost c- quite poetic in a way yes and um, to somebody who's very familiar to that landscape they're not that ugly after all um, so I started looking at those and uh, they, that's they when they have stories yeah they so, have exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly they have their stories and that's when uh that's w- uh that was the kind of theme of helen cruz i started looking at that side of um let's say the uh, athens um in conjun- conjunction to how greece is portrayed to the outside mm-hmm. which often has to do with ancient ruins and um Mm-hmm. relics etc etc there's a start a stark contrast there yeah which is continues in the city of athens all this kind of contrast between yeah. the old and but the it's new it's kind of the way that um uh, from the outside how uh, people see mm-hmm. let's say uh, that place and um so what, what exactly really? was Hellenic Cruz? So Hellenic Cruz, <laughs> Hellen- the name um, comes from a program from the 50s, mm-hmm. a BBC uh, production that I discovered by Mortimer Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, basically there was a sort of cruise of people going to Greece to discover I the It was ancient. a literal cruise, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. It was a literal cruise. Um Going to discover the end to go and going to Delos and going to the Parthenon and mm-hmm. discovering all the ancient uh, ruins and yeah. ancient civilizations and talking about them. It was before uh, the war. Which war was? Was it the fifties? Yes. No, sorry. It was before the dictatorship. Even. Yes. Okay. So um, it was interesting to see how Greece was portrayed because they portrayed the mm. ruins, but also the locals mm-hmm. in a way as um as if they were very exotic mm-hmm. and i was very interested in that how this kind of exoticism and the voyeurism um of that program contrasts to the reality of what um athens it actually is so it's perhaps a link with uh, escapism there yeah yeah so there was uh, there was this idea of the cruise as a kind of escapism into the ancient um you know idyllic utopian states and etc etc that these um people were trying to find out and also what actually and how they happened. have romantized perhaps, yeah romanticized yeah size kind of all this kind of idealism yeah that comes yeah, yeah. from ancient culture yes exactly plato yeah so there is this contrast between the rom- um, romanticizing 
um, and exoticizing uh, a culture and what actually uh, is there. Mm -hmm. Our next track will be um, from the time of the uh, gypsies, Goran Brekovic's Mirkosvica Edelezi. So you bought it 
uh, on a Hellenic cruise inspired by a BBC documentary about <laughs> the representation of Greece and voyeurism. And what, what, what happened to this journey? How your journey um, to that? Yeah, so uh, that became a body of work that, again, was a series of prints, very large-scale prints that related to the, let's say, the kind of 60s architecture, Athenian architecture, as most people see it, and um, also a series of drawings that related to the actual program. So mm -hmm. they were, like, stem from that. Mm -hmm. Um Plus, plus some water, small watercolor, water, small watercolors that um, became almost, almost like a part of a larger puzzle, mm. um, creating a kind of sense of an imaginary city. So, although they stem from Athenian architecture, um, it's something that still expands, and it has become like a, a larger puzzle, um, large scale, let's say, installation of smaller watercolors. Um, that form a larger sense of a, a city. Yeah. Hmm. This brings my in my mind um, oh. one of the work we exhibited together yeah. at the uh, in Athens, actually at, at the Taft Foundation um, at Culture Line Science Frontiers Project. I think it was a year ago, something yeah. like that, maybe yeah. more. And it, it, it you you created another puzzle of architecture yeah. but this time was going beyond Greece yeah exactly and, uh, and, yeah and it was uh, yeah and I think it was a very interesting approach um, on war <laughs> and immigration and architecture or how some debates uh, can be uh, revealed through architecture basically yeah so, yeah, Hellenic Cruise was an exhibition, mm -hmm. and that then... My, when that was that? Work, that was in, two, uh, I think, two years ago. Okay. Um, and uh, then I continued working with this. Um, no, it was in, 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 uh, in the UK. It was at Repton School. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, uh, it was after I had my first... Uh, baby <laughs> so it was one of these uh, you know crazy kind of projects that I had to do with a three-month-old baby but um, it was very good to do because then inspired their kind of I, I continued working on the small watercolors and yeah that bring that brings me to the well, which I have to do a parenthesis here <laughs> I visited you once when your son was tiny still say around this area three or five months and I saw you drawing <laughs> this mini because holding the baby in one hand and drawing the other one it's like you know the, the only way you could kind of relax by all this kind of yeah. stressful uh, and oh, because you, yeah, and because you could not go to your studio or anything like that, yeah. you started to develop this whole body of smaller scale, uh, which is very interesting to see as a link, the scale and the medium used yeah. uh, as a response to motherhood as an artist. Yeah, yeah. so we can talk about that later on. Later. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole new topic. But uh, yes, then um, the small scale watercolors <coughs> became a bigger installation 
and uh, that's when I started kind of researching architecture in other cities as well. Mm -hmm. I realized that this kind of modernist canon uh, didn't existed in other places like Beirut. Uh, or Cairo or Damascus. So place, mainly places that have had upheavals and turbulences, financial or uh, war-related. And um, I kind of, it kind of hit me that, um, you know, it could have been any city that has a war. It could have been Athens that had a war. It could have been any place that has um, immigration issues and problems and that people have to flee from, etc., etc. So I started sort of looking at, at their architecture as well and developing almost like an imaginary city that uh, stems from all these different cities and making up like a, a map, almost like a puzzle, a map of um, um, these, these watercolours that bring together all these different places. I mean, I if, you if, knew, if you didn't knew, if you didn't know, you could not distinguish no. uh, if it was Athens, Beirut or Cairo. Yeah, because they've got very similar uh, yeah, types of architecture. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been to all of those, but looking at pictures, it's a very similar kind of feel mm -hmm. of these blocks with the, also with the sun kind of covers, the tents, um, because of the sun, because mm -hmm. of the climate. The climate plays a big role as well. Um, so that's when uh, I decided to do this large installation for the Taft Foundation. Mm -hmm. Did you exhibit this work elsewhere? Uh, no, no, that was the that was the place the last time I exhibited. Uh, but I'm still Working making more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because as as we talked about before, it's the easiest it's the easiest way to work. Um, while having children <laughs> because I can I can work on them in the evening also on the table I don't need to be physically in a studio um, but at the same time I can incorporate them into a larger installation a larger piece of uh, work let's go to Nouvelle Vague and dance with me and back with Amy Avora in a while to discuss more on painting, drawing, architecture and family. <laughs> i 
unfortunately have to start cutting a little bit our music because our lovely producer informed us that we have 10 minutes remaining <laughs> to say everything that we possibly want to say and listen. Um, and I see an exhausting Amy Avora. <laughs> exhausted. Exhausted, sorry. <laughs> exhausted. I hope uh, I'm not exhausting. <laughs> no, you're not, definitely not. And exhausted Amy Avora because now you're on your second... So we see from prints to painting because of motherhood, in a way? Well, I... Uh, yeah, we talked about the, the prints. It was a body of work. And then uh, th that was because of motherhood as well that mm. you know it has been a great factor that yeah, kind of contributed definitely. to this sweep. but uh, um, but as i said at the beginning i see myself more of, as a painter mm -hmm. and i continue painting so um yeah that kind of looking at architecture and looking at modernism etc etc has led to a new body of paintings which mm -hmm. i'm working on well i have been working on and now hoping to carry on with as, as well. you have your second I, I just had another baby yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's been a, a two very busy years mm -hmm. yeah still is and does motherhood um so creates a new theme slowly for you well it changes the perspective and also um you I tend to spend much more time at home, mm -hmm. which means that you the the observations and the the the, the things that you're looking at um, are much closer to you, but sort of more domestic in a way. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been doing quite a lot of drawings that relate to this idea of domesticity, but um, almost like the anxiety that comes out of that. Mm -hmm. When you sort of spend a lot of time at home and you repeat a lot of things, like th a lot of things are repeated because every day you've got to look after the baby, etc., etc. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping to kind of use that some sort of way, you know, to find. In I've found it quite inspiring, although it's mundane. So, basically, looking at the mundane and looking at the everyday and sort of doing something with it through painting is what I'm kind of interested in at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Leonard Cohen and Dance Me to the End of Love.
To the end of love, Amy Avora. You have exhibited internationally now, only to Greece, uh, and you teach as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, do you have something uh, in schedule at the moment, or something? Well, the when, when do you have exhibited more or less? Kind of your 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 high peaks and what I you have, have exhi- coming on. I've exhibited in various countries, um, the states, um, mm-hmm. and Greece, and. Uh, the UK as well, mm-hmm. uh, mainly, also some other places as well yeah. in the in the past. At the moment, I'm not, I, you know, That's I'm on maternity <laughs> leave basically. Yes. So, um, yeah, baby's two two and a half months old. So and I don't have something right now, uh, and I'm not teaching right now either. I'm hoping to create some more work. You're definitely in a when creative I, process in many yeah. ways. So I'm hopeful that something will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's a matter of finding the time as well at the moment. So mm-hmm. I have to take things as they come, basically. <laughs> With the two and two children under two is very busy. Emi Avora, uh, thank you very much for coming thank on you a Sunday for morning. Me. And uh, living uh, <laughs> two children, one three months old, uh, to be here with us. Thank you very much again. Thank you for uh, It was me. great to have you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely day. And we're closing this uh, art hour, this session, uh, with uh, another Greek artist who died recently, and um, Arleta. Uh, a kind of the Greek nouvelle vague, we could say. Uh, and the track is called Taisi Havradia. Silent Nights, perhaps? Silent Nights, yeah. Yes, as yeah. a, a translation. Um, and um, our next guest next month is conceptual artist uh, Joseph Kasuth. And uh, we're looking forward to it as well. Thank you very much and have a lovely day. Ακόμα κι αν φύγεις Για το γύρο του κόσμου Θα σε πάντα δικός μου Θα είμαστε πάντα μαζί Γιατί θα είναι η ψυχή μου Το τραγούδι της φέρη μου Που θα σ' ακούω